All right, if you're in Matthew chapter 6, um, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus spends a number of verses here in the Sermon on the Mount on prayer. Uh, he talks about more what we would call uh, private prayer, perhaps. Uh, don't be like the hypocrites. They pray a private prayer by going to the street corner uh, and praying this prayer where everybody can hear and see. They have their reward. But you, when you pray, you go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows you have need, what you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And notice this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, what is this prayer commonly called? The Lord's Prayer, that's right. Um, but that's a little bit misleading to call it the Lord's Prayer. Jesus wasn't actually praying this prayer, at least not for himself. But he was using it as an example or model for us to follow. Now, how do we know that Jesus wasn't just saying this prayer for himself or about himself? How do we know that? Okay, so we know by pronouns, right, that he's using plural pronouns. Our Father who is in heaven... Give us this day our daily bread. And so it's clearly not just a prayer for himself, but it's for others as well. And then if we turn over to Luke chapter 11, I believe this to be a different occasion, but he prays a very similar prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, we're given a little bit more uh, reason why he was praying the prayer that he was praying. Uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Let's read that together. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, it's interesting, it says that he ceased there, and in 1 Thessalonians we're told what? Pray without ceasing, that's the same word. We don't have time to discuss that a lot tonight, um, but that is interesting. That one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now why did they ask that? Did these men who were followers of Jesus, did they not know how to pray? It's going to be a long class. We just sit here the whole time, but I'm not going to answer that question. Did they know how to pray? <clears throat> yeah, they knew how to pray. So why did they ask that question of Jesus? When you were six years old, did you know how to pray? When you were 10, 15, whenever you came to know Jesus, whatever age that was, and became a believer, did you know how to pray? Um, probably, right? You probably knew how to pray. Were there others that you looked to and said, wow, now that's a prayer? Yeah, absolutely. And so they saw Jesus praying here. They observed his prayer life, and no doubt they marveled at it and said, you know, I know how to pray, but I want to pray like that. I want to pray like him, the way he prays. And though they knew in one sense they were humble enough to admit that they could learn some things about prayer from this one who prayed uh, all the time. Um, and we see that recorded in the Gospels. And so here he prays a very similar prayer. The end of the prayer is gone from what we read in Matthew. 
Um, he also says in verse 4, instead of forgive us our debts, it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not in, lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so we see by the pronouns, our and we and so forth, that it isn't just for Jesus. Is there any other indication, especially here in Luke, that shows this isn't just Jesus praying for himself? So when you pray. When you pray, right? I'm giving this to you as an example. You come and you're asking me how to pray. Well, let me tell you, when you pray, this is the way you need to do it. Okay, anything else from the prayer itself? Yes, sir? He also says, forgive us our sins. Yeah, forgive us our sins, right? Well, uh, did Jesus need to pray for that? No, he had no sin. And so clearly what he's doing here is he's giving us an example of how to pray. And I would take it so far as this is an example of how to lead a public prayer with and on behalf of other people. Uh, and we see those plural pronouns for just that thing. And here in Luke, he then gives two parables uh, that we'll not talk about tonight. Um, he gives two parables encouraging them to pray all the time. This friend who comes at midnight, and then this idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because your Father in heaven wants to give good gifts to his children. And Jesus often prayed publicly. We see that in the Gospels. He prayed for and with and for the benefit of others. He leads a prayer not for just himself, but he leads a prayer for those who are going to hear that prayer. Can you think of any examples of that in the Gospels? When Jesus prayed a public prayer? Okay. What's the example there? Yeah, so he's praying for everybody, but is it just he who hears that prayer? <clears throat> no, it's the twelve who hear that prayer as well. Any other examples? He prayed, he prayed on the cross. Three times he prays on the cross. And specifically, two of those prayers are more for himself, and yet he prays them aloud where other people hear those things as well. And then one of those prayers is on behalf of other people. Which one is that? Forgive them. They know not what they do. Any other examples you can think of? Okay, that's right. Um, he prays as he's instituting the Lord's Supper. Any other examples? Garden. Sir? In the garden. Okay, in the garden. So he's praying, and, and there he kind of goes off away from everybody else, but he asks his apostles to pray on behalf of him. Any other examples of public prayer? Um, one more that comes to mind. He prayed before... Uh, working miracles, he prayed uh, before feeding the 5,000. That's the example I'm thinking of. He prays before raising Lazarus. And the reason why I want to bring up that example is because what does he say in the middle of the prayer? He says, Father, I know that you always hear me, but what? I, I pray this on behalf of these other people so that they might know, right? Uh, I'm praying so that they can learn something from this prayer. And so he prays a public prayer and yet it's on behalf of these other people uh, at the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Um, we see Jesus even praying before a common meal after his resurrection with the two men who are going to Emmaus on that occasion. And the early disciples often prayed privately and publicly together. Um, I'm just going to rattle these off. You can go back and listen to the recording, I guess. Acts chapter 1, 13 and 14. Acts 4, 23 through 31. Acts 16.25, Acts 20.36, Acts 21.5, Acts 27.35, 
You know what we see? We see the disciples praying together and praying publicly. Now, those are all still prayers. And from the very beginning, I think I would like to say uh, these are not monologues. They're not speeches. They might be on behalf of someone else, but it's not an excuse for us to have a sermon in prayer, right? I think we have to be careful about that. I've sat through some of those. Maybe you have too. And the ones who are worst about doing that, if I may say so myself, are preachers, right? In gospel meetings, we get up here, let me preach a sermon. They didn't come here to hear me, but they asked me to pray, so let me go ahead and preach a sermon in the midst of my prayer. That's not really the purpose of prayer. But at the same time, there is more to consider when we lead a public prayer than just ourselves. Um, Jesse did a great job last month talking about private prayer and the power of private prayer and how this is something that's really informal. Um, And a discussion was had about, hey, you don't have to have some formula to figure out exactly the way that you're supposed to pray. And, And really, you don't have some exact formula when you think about public prayer. But Um, We made the point at the end of class last month that we do see something more formal when it comes to the idea of public prayer than private prayer. Um, I told a young man one time he was about to lead one of his first public prayers with the congregation. This was a few years ago. He was really nervous about that. Um, I don't think he's here tonight. He was really nervous about that, and I could tell he was nervous, so I go and I talk to him a little bit, trying to put him at ease, and I said, hey, relax. You've said, you've said thousands of prayers in your life, probably. Just relax and just talk to God up there at the microphone just like you do at home. And you know his response to me when I told him that? He said, it is not the same. It is not the same. Well, in a sense it is. You're still talking to God, but in a sense he was right about that. That's true. In public prayer, we need to take into account not just ourselves, but who? The congregation. Everybody else that we're leading in that public prayer. And that's true of a public prayer in a situation like this. That's true of a prayer around the dinner table. That's true when at work people know that you're a Christian and so they ask you to be the one to lead the prayer, right? There needs to be some consideration of, this isn't just between me and God, I'm leading a prayer on behalf of all those who are gathered on this occasion, whenever and wherever that might be. And so we need to lead a prayer that's scriptural, obviously, that others may hear and understand, that they're able to participate in. But even in public prayer, we should be more concerned about what God thinks about that prayer and it being acceptable to Him than being concerned about the perfect wording of our prayer or what the brethren think about that prayer. Again, it's not so that we might be seen of men. But there are some other goals in public prayer that are outside of what we would talk about with private prayer. Uh, Consider 1 Corinthians 14. Let's turn over there, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm trying to follow the format that we laid down way back at the beginning of this class. I didn't do a good job of that last time, of having a class portion where we look at the Scriptures and then having more discussion at the end. But I'm going to try and do that tonight. Um, So let's consider this together. 1 Corinthians 14. I understand that this is in a context of miraculous gifts of the Spirit. But I believe that there is a principle here that is helpful to us even with 
non-inspired, non-miraculous, non-tongue-speaking prayers. So pick up reading with me, if you would, um, in verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I don't have someone there to interpret that prayer, if I don't know what I'm saying. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, and I believe bless there is a synonym for praying, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now, I've already said this, but what does amen mean? The prayer's over. That that was the answer I got from a a little kid's class one time. The prayer's over. And that's right. But what does amen mean? I agree. So let it be, the old-time preachers used to say, and that's exactly right. I agree with what was said. Let it be. I'm going along with that. Whatever that man up there prayed for and obligated me to do, I'm willing to do those things. And amen is not something that we should say lightly as those who are sitting in the pew or around the table or whatever the case might be. There have been times I've, you know me, I'm pretty expressive in worship and pretty expressive in general in my life. Um, And so I'm not afraid to say amen. But there have been times I've not said amen because I didn't want to commit myself to what was prayed for, right, Um, in a number of different contexts. So if I say amen, that means it's as if the words said by the person at the microphone were my words going to my heavenly Father. And on the other end of that, if we're leading, I want to lead a prayer. I want to lead a prayer in the same way so that the person sitting in the pew understands that prayer And they're able to say, I agree, so let it be, at the end of that prayer. So one of the other goals for public prayer that we don't have with private prayer is everybody else hopefully will be able to say, amen, I agree, at the end of that prayer. But there's another goal that we see there in the text in 1 Corinthians 14, and what is that? The building up, the edification, right? So my prayer needs to be one that that builds people up, that their faith uh, is strengthened because I have led them um, in this act of worship. I have led them uh, in this prayer to our Father in heaven. And uh, the fact of the matter is many of us, uh, many of us who quote-unquote grew up in the church or we grew up in a Christian home, we learn to pray how? By listening, by listening to other people pray. Uh, And hopefully all of us in here have heard people who who lead powerful prayers, faithful prayers, um, not because of the eloquence of their words, but because of the strength of their faith and their character and their heart. Uh, And you can tell when somebody comes, usually you can tell, it seems like you can tell, when somebody comes to the microphone and leads a prayer and you say, that, that's not something that they do on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's something they do all the time because they're comfortable speaking to their Father in heaven. Um, 
So when we think about the difference between personal prayers and private prayer, uh, personal prayers and public prayers, personal prayers, as Jesse talked about last time, we're emptying our bucket to God, right? Anything and everything should go into that prayer. The book of Psalms contains all of these private prayers that are recorded to us, and they're just brutally honest with God, casting all of our cares on Him. Uh, like we talked about, get that inner dialogue going, right? So it's not just the monologue of my own thoughts. God is always a part of those things. But public prayers are and should be more formal and structured. And I would suggest that Jesus gives us a basic template. If you want to say, how am I supposed to lead a public prayer? What's supposed to be involved with that? Um, this is not something bound on us that every prayer has to have this. Uh, but I think it is helpful for us to look at Matthew chapter 6 again and say, okay, what was involved in this prayer? Let's go back there. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, if you want to cheat, this is on the bookmark. If you want to write it down as we go, I have blanks for you on the handout. And I'm going to write it up on the board behind me as we go through this. So here's the way I want us to do it. Uh, I'm going to write a prayer is our uh, acronym, our mnemonic device to remember these things. A prayer consists of A-P-R-A-Y-E-R, -E okay? And that begins with an address. And in this model prayer, the address is what? Our Father in heaven. How powerful is that? It's incredible, isn't it? Who is your Father? It's God the one who is in heaven. And it implies the closeness and fellowship and intimacy of that relationship, but he's also in heaven, and so we have reverence and awe and respect for him and all of those sorts of things. And then the next thing is praise and thanks. Um, that we praise God for who he is. In the model prayer, it's what? The next thing. Our Father in heaven... Yeah, may your name be honored. Hallowed be your name. I'm going to praise you and praise your name for who you are. Make it holy. Sanctify it. Recognize it as sacred. Your, your name is holy because you are so great. So praise and thanks to God. And then next, um, uh, uh, he has your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, for the sake of uh, our acronym, the next one I'm going to talk about is repentance. Or repent would be better, since we're making these active, right? Um, we need to repent. And that would be what? Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Uh, and a lot of times we save this for last. Um, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I like to get that in a little earlier in my prayers, uh, personally, and I like thinking about it third on the list uh, because I want to be forgiven of anything that stands between me and God so that he'll even hear this prayer and the request that I'm about to make. Um, and so the next thing after repent is ask. And what does Jesus ask for on behalf of those for whom he's praying? Give us this day our daily bread. And so he asks for something that is physical. Um, some people 
takes this to be spiritual bread. Um, I really think that he's asking for daily physical bread here, the daily necessities of life that God promises to those who love him. Uh, but he doesn't just ask for something physical. What else does he ask for? Deliverance from evil. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And so there is spiritual supplications as well in the prayer. Okay? Um, so we see both of those things in this prayer uh, that Jesus leads. Uh, and then the next two, two things on the list I think are very important, but maybe not quite as obvious. Uh, the why stands for yield, that we need to yield to God. Um, if you're looking on the bookmark, you see this. Uh, but uh, what do you think is the yielding that we see in this prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's not my will. I'm yielding my will over to yours. And whatever your will is in heaven, that's what I want to do on earth. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, you've maybe heard this story before, but uh, I remember on the football team, you know, the guys always wanted to get together, huddle up before the game and say the Lord's Prayer, you know. And uh, so we'd hold hands and we'd get around in a circle and somebody would lead the Lord's Prayer. And it always bothered me a great deal when they got to this part, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know, and we're reciting that. And I know what a bunch of these guys are about to go do after this game, especially if it's a win. We're going to go out drinking and partying and so forth. When we just prayed for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I'm obligating myself to do God's will when I say that, right? And when I lead others in that. That we're all yielding our will to God in our prayers um, and, and yielding uh, to His will for us. Uh, and even that idea of forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, who have sinned against us or who are indebted to us, I'm going to be forgiving. I'm yielding myself over to God and His will for that kind of forgiveness. And Matthew 7 talks more about that. Um, and, and he even, Jesus even talks about that in verses uh, 14 and 15 here in, in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, but then I think the next thing is expect. And by expect, I just mean we're praying this to God. What is our expectation when we say a prayer to God? That He's going to answer, right? that he has the power and ability to answer. Now, we've already yielded. His will be done, right? But when we make our will known to God, what is our expectation? Uh, that God can and will answer our prayers according to his will. We've submitted our will to his, but the reason why we're praying is because we expect him to answer. Um, what might be the expect part of this model prayer? Yeah, he has the power to do it. For yours is the, the power, right? So that he has the power to, to do this. Um, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, and then uh, the last R, and we see this a ton. We see this a ton in the Psalms. We see this a ton in the New Testament prayers. Uh, we began with an address, but then the first real part of the prayer was praise and thanks. And so we see a repeat of praise and thanks. How great is it if we can begin our prayers praising God and we end our, end our prayers praising God as well? Um, so he says, 
Uh, in this prayer specifically, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, notice there's no, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jesus is the one who's praying for one thing, but he hasn't died on the cross yet to intercede for us. Uh, but I think that idea of remembering that Jesus is the one by whom we have the right to come before our Father uh, is a great thing that we put on our prayers. All right, so what you have on your handout there, and I'll let you work through that on your own time. What you have on your handout is a couple of other examples of prayers that we have uh, in the New Testament. And with the, uh, with the exception of repentance, we see these other same things found in both of those prayers. One is from the epistle to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3. The other is from Acts chapter 4 and the prayer for boldness by the disciples. And so we see that there. Uh, does every public prayer have to follow this formula? I hope not, right? I hope not. But uh, over the course of the prayers that we lead, should all of these things be included uh, in the prayers that we lead over the course of you know, weeks and months? Should any of these things be left out? No, I think all of those things should, should be there, right? And I think it is a good thing for us to think about as we're going to lead a public prayer uh, what kinds of things did Jesus include in his model of what a public prayer is supposed to look like? All right, thoughts or comments there before we kind of get into our discussion? Yes, Jerry? You may address it anyway, but uh, encourage everyone to be able to be heard because if you can't hear the prayer, you can't say amen. Uh, and that's not just prayer, speaking, announcements, whatever else. Get into that mic again. Well, this isn't speaking in announcements, but Jerry's absolutely right. We, we live right here? This one's not live, is it? Um, can you say amen if you, go, you don't understand because you can't hear? Can you say amen? No. And so it's our responsibility to be heard, right? And we've invested in this sound system for that very purpose, right? So whether it's up there or down here, uh, hey, there it is. I project really well, but some of you guys are quiet. So if you're, if you're praying like this, you hear what I'm saying? You probably hear what I'm saying. But if I speak at the same volume with what I was doing back there, you can really hear that, can't you? That's why this is here, right? You don't have to be a public speaker to be a public prayer. Um, and so get into that mic if you can. All right, other thoughts or comments? You've got to be able to follow the prayer. Um, and so, so that's for you as a listener. Uh, we had a young uh, adult class. Uh, this was pre-COVID, I guess. That's how I measure everything in time anymore. Pre-COVID, we had a young adult class, and we talked about that very thing. What kinds of things can we do as people in the pew to stick with somebody when they're praying? Not everybody is easy to stick with compared to others, right? And that's what we're about to talk about here in just a second. Let's be one of those people that are easier to follow so that somebody can say amen at the end of it. Uh, what kinds of things can we do in those situations? I know Rance was in that class, a few others. What kinds of things can we do so that we stay engaged to the prayer? Uh, what can we do? Yes. Repeat the 
Repeat it to yourself. That's one of the things we talked about there, right? So you've got uh, guys that take long pauses. I'm not judging anybody in here. You've got guys who, they pray a little bit, then they pray a little bit more, and they pray a little bit more. And you know what happens to my mind in prayers like that? I'm with you for that first one, and then I'm off, you know, in the ether somewhere. And I've got to come back and say, what did we say? What was... So something that, that I've done in times past is he says something, I say something. He says something, I say something to myself. I repeat what he says, analyze it. I've got time. He's taking a pause so that I can really truly say amen at the end of it. What else might we do? Jesse? Okay, so I'm going to summarize it to myself. I'm going to paraphrase what he said uh, in the way I would express that. What else might we do? Yes, sir? In my own head, I'll just say things like, yes, Father, or amen, or things like that. Absolutely. So we don't have to wait to the end of the prayer to say amen. I'll even do that whisper. I don't want to distract anybody else. Or in my own head, I'll say, amen. Yeah, I agree with that. Amen. Yeah, I agree with that. Amen. Right? Um, and I'm not, again, I'm saying that quietly. I'm not trying to distract anybody else or put on a show, but I'm saying amen because I agree with what's being said and I'm committing myself to that. And I stay engaged when I do that. Okay. Anything else that comes to mind? Uh, I know this is anathema, uh, but sometimes what I have to do is instead of being like this, I look up and I watch that guy's mouth just like he was a speaker, so that I can pay attention to what's being said. That's something else that I do. Any other ideas? It's important. I'm going to say amen at the end of this prayer, so I need to be engaged, because this is my prayer to the Father as much as it's the leader's prayer to the Father. But that's really more uh, what everybody else is doing. Let's get back to our, what we ought to be doing as those who are leading prayers. Um, our question for discussion is, think of other... Uh, think of prayer leaders whose prayers have made it easy for you to say amen. What was it about their prayers that you would like to emulate so that others might have an easy time saying amen at the end of your prayer? Uh, I'll go first, maybe whet the appetite. Um, anybody have Leon Manning down as the guy that they said it was easy to say amen? Travis, would you want us to say what you said about Leon first so I don't steal your thunder? Right, so I came up with this, right? Well, the acronym I came somebody probably else did, but this is from Jesus, right? And so Leon was always very organized um, in the things that he prayed, okay? Anything else, Travis, about Leon? He was well-spoken, yeah. obviously. If anybody knew Leon, they know that. He had a gift word, mm -hmm. and it was almost as if he was telling a story when he was praying. Because I was engaged and <clears throat> I was hanging on every word. Yeah. He was telling his story to God, what yeah. he felt we needed and what uh, you know he needed. Yeah. Was it the same prayer every time? It wasn't. No. And and Jesus doesn't condemn repetition. Please understand that, right? We can say the same words. Did Jesus ever say the same words in a prayer? Well, in Matthew six and Luke eleven, he did. But any other occasions you can think of? 
where the text tells us he prayed using the same words. In Gethsemane in the garden. Three times he prayed the same prayer, basically the same prayer. So repetition isn't the, the problem, but if we're just spouting words vainly without thinking about the meaning of those words, that's when we have an issue. So pray for what's going on. Pray for what's right now, right? Okay. Something else with Leon, and, and this is not uh, Bible doctrine, right? But it was helpful to me is his prayers were usually pretty short. It was like he prayed for two or three things and then it was amen, right? And I always stayed in attention to those two or three things and it's like, yeah, I, I agree with all of that and I can say amen to that. Okay, what else? Uh, others who have thought about those with whom it's easy to say amen, what things were helpful to you? Fred, yes, sir. Fred Hudson. Did you know Fred? I didn't get to meet Fred, no, but I've heard lots of funny stories. His prayers were always so humble. And you, you, you could just feel God's presence in his attitude when he prayed. And it just meant a lot to yeah. So that humility, what, what did that make you feel? It made me feel that I was talking to God. Yeah. I was talking to God with that same kind of humility uh, of the one leading it. So we need to be humble when we're leading our prayers. Okay, what else? Yes, Chad. There was a guy that I worshiped with in San Antonio, his name was Bob Stewart. But when he would start his prayer, I mean, he was he was in love with his fellowship with God. I mean, it was just, I hadn't really heard that growing up as somebody, you know, saying in a prayer, I love you, we know that you love us, and just really just putting his whole heart, I mean, he just poured his heart out. Yeah. And opening the prayer, and his opening was probably a third of his prayer, yeah. of that adoration that he was Absolutely. showing. And, and that was something that I, I definitely wanted to emulate. So he's, he's starting with that praise and thanksgiving and that relationship with God um, and focusing on that. A lot of times... I think this is fair. A lot of times our focus in prayer is to the asking, right? The supplications, the things that we need. And, and nothing wrong with that. God wants us to do that, right? But I think sometimes it's, it's, it's helpful to begin by expressing our love for God, our, our adoration to God, um, just as Jesus and others did. We always see that in biblical prayers, right? They always begin by... I mean, almost always, 99% of the time, they begin with praise to God, adoration to God, God, you are so great. Um, and that's a reminder for us, as much or more as it is for God. God knows he's great. Um, and yet, it's a reminder to us and an acknowledgement of God's greatness. Okay? Yes. Uh, Ray, I like it uh, when you know, people back home or even people here use parts of scripture in their prayers, whether that's the Psalms or the Echo Paul sentiment, because um, there's just so much focus on the spiritual aspect. Um, I know for me personally, when I was, you know, 13, 14, you know, saying my first prayers, especially right after announcements, you got to like make sure, hey, I got to say every single person's name, I hope you don't miss somebody. Yeah. Uh, but you can focus so much more on the spiritual uh, and, you know, just lay your heart out do, do we have examples of people praying scripture? Yeah, we do. Um, that example that you have on your handout in Acts chapter 4, 24 and 31, they quote scripture back to God in the midst of this prayer for boldness. Um, and so I think scripture is a great beginning place. We have so many prayers, um, and that's been really helpful to me. Josh does that quite a bit. Um, he'll read part of a psalm, 
uh, which is a prayer, and those are his words as much as the psalmist or the Holy Spirit when he is saying that prayer, and that's always been something that's been helpful to me, and I appreciate that, um, that he does and that Tommy's brought up. Okay? What else? All right, young guys, uh, I'm not done with this if anybody has anything else, but young guys, I want to give you guys the opportunity. Um, are there any questions that you would like answered about public prayer um, or anything that you guys would like to say from your perspective as younger men? That's one of the things we wanted to include in this class. I put it up on the board so I wouldn't put you on the spot right here at the end like you knew this was coming. Anything from your perspective? Josh, you're not a young man. <laughs> Maybe we should ask that question first because, you know, a lot of questions when I was reading that, that were kind of going through my mind. We've kind of already touched on uh, talking about, like, the uh, praying through Jesus' name, you know, mm-hmm. in your prayer, saying in Jesus' name, amen. And, uh, you know, that's always something I've seen and I've always heard and, you know, a way that I've been taught to pray, but I understand why we do it, and I do appreciate what you said earlier. That kind of reminded me of why we do it so much. Not, not so much that it's a, I don't think, maybe a commandment in every prayer, but mm-hmm. it's a mindset that we put on. Yeah, that's the reality of this prayer, and uh, sometimes in my prayers I'll say it differently, you know, like, uh, through Jesus, we come before your throne, or we have the right to come before your throne. It's by Jesus' authority, right, his name, that we have the right to say this prayer. Uh, but from a practical standpoint, it's also a pretty good exit ramp for you. You know, what do I say next? I'm not sure. Well, I know I can end it with, in Jesus' name, by his authority, amen, so let it be, right? And uh, sometimes that's what happens when we're young and we're nervous and we're, we're old and we're, we're nervous, and we get up uh, to the microphone, uh, uh, what do I say next? Well, I can always say, in Jesus' name, amen, right? doesn't have to be a certain length, okay? Any other questions? Yes, sir. So what about talking or praying to Jesus? Okay, good question. You want me to handle that or anybody else? His question is, what about praying to Jesus? Uh, Here's my answer to that. Um, We see Jesus addressed in praise and worship uh, in a number of places. We sing songs that praise Jesus specifically. Uh, It's not something that I get hung up on, uh, but what I see, the example that I see in the prayers of the New Testament is praying to the Father, and Jesus is mentioned. But why do I not get hung up on it? Because, well, let me ask, why would I not get real hung up on that? Jesus is God. He's going to hear every prayer that I say. And for that matter, the Holy Spirit's going to hear every prayer that I say as well. And Jesus is intimately involved in that prayer, right? He's intimately involved because he is the one through whose authority, he's the one that is the intermediary, the intercessor between me and God to take those prayers to God. Um, And so... uh, so I don't get real hung up on that question. I know some have, um, and it's become a big thing for some, uh, but not for me. I'll follow the pattern of what I see and the way they pray it, uh, praying to God the Father. He's the one who's addressed in these prayers. 
Um, but I know Jesus is going to hear. I know the Holy Spirit's going to hear. And I know they're all going to do what I need in my life, whatever that might be. Good question. Anybody have anything to add to that? Well, I love in Hebrews when he says, uh, we may not even know what to pray for, but if we're praying, the Holy Spirit will interpret our prayers for us. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Romans 8, you know, with groanings that cannot be uttered, right? Makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Um, I take that to be our spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but the end result is the same. I don't know what to pray, but I've got all these thoughts and feelings and emotions in my heart and in my brain, and God just, blah, take it, right? Groanings, ugh, that cannot be uttered because I don't have the right words, but... God knows what's in my heart. God knows what I need. And um, if I'll go to Him, even without the words, uh, then those intercessions will be made um, on my behalf. Uh, Todd, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, adding to the Jesus mm-hmm. I like to just address my God. That, that covers it. God covers it. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yes, sir. I have a question. Okay. Um, you're kind of on the fence. Well, so like young, young and old, like we're just opening it up to everybody. I've heard people um, in regards to this question. I've heard uh, people on both sides. Mm-hmm. So I've heard a lot of people that um, over the years, myself included, if I'm not careful, I will say the exact same thing every single time mm-hmm. um, whenever I'm praying in a public prayer and even in a private situation. Um, I don't think it was necessarily wrong because I'm saying all the right things. But then I've heard other people say you got to be careful because you go the other direction. Is that are your prayers even heartfelt if you're saying the same? Are you um, being, being genuine if you're just saying like the little quips that you hear um, in every prayer or yeah. something like that? Um, so I guess where where should we fall or what should we do to kind of help create more of a genuine? Was everybody able to hear that? Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I'll say this for myself as the preacher. When somebody gets up here and says, may the preacher have a ready recollection of the things that he has prepared to say, amen. Amen to that, right? So that's a phrase that we throw out there, and we all know what that means, right? Uh, I've heard people say, what does that even mean? You know, that means this brain works because I've prepared, and I hope that I'm able to say the things that I've prepared they're going to bring glory to God, right? Um, in answer to your question, how do we keep that from being empty, not heartfelt? How do we keep it from, using Jesus' turn, becoming a vain repetition? We're just saying words because we think we're going to be heard because we're saying the right words. Uh, I think a lot of that comes back to private prayer before our public prayers. Um, and that I am expressing myself. I know the Cowboys are playing, whoever that was. Uh, I'm expressing myself to my God in private and pouring my bucket out, right? And if I really do that, then I'm not just going to say the same words over and over because there are going to be different situations in my life that are taking place, and I'm talking to God about those situations. And that will start to pour over into my public prayer, too. Another way that we might handle that... um, is it wrong for us to write out our prayer ahead of time before we get up to pray? 
No. No, absolutely not. Who's, ever, who's done that? Raise your hand if you've done that before. I've done that before, right? Um, does that mean that it's vain that I wrote it out ahead of time? It could be if I just get up there and read it and I don't think about what I'm saying, but if I've poured my heart into what I wrote and I'm repeating that so that everybody might follow along with what I'm saying, absolutely that can be a heartfelt prayer to God. And so that might be another way that I, I want to express something, but I don't want to just say the same things. Well, maybe I'm not a public speaker. Maybe I'm not good at thinking on my feet, but I can write it out ahead of time when I've had time to think about it um, and say something that's beautiful uh, and, and heartfelt, um, but it's not just the same words that I've always prayed before. Does that help at all with your question? Okay. Mark? Uh, I think maybe it's better instead of thinking of what's right and wrong to do in those public prayers, stick to the word public if we think about what's effective. And there's nothing wrong. You can say a prayer from start to finish and use nothing but cliche. Yeah. But is it effective to your audience? And your audience may change as well. And whether that's written out or not, we all have our own personal preferences. Well, that's our goal, right? So that they'll be edified, so that they'll be able to say amen, um, and that ultimately God is pleased with what it is that we do in prayer to him. Effectiveness is what we're going for. That's great. Yes, sir. One question. Yes, sir. Do you have to have public prayer? I, because I have always, when I address mm -hmm. the Lord, mm -hmm. I think him and I are speaking. Yes, sir. And I think he knows what I'm thinking. He does, absolutely. I think he does. And that goes back to that idea of groanings that cannot be uttered. Do you have to be one who leads public prayer? Is that required as a Christian? No, of course not, right? Uh, but for our corporate, corporate is maybe the wrong word, for our collective worship, right, uh, public prayer is something that we see them doing often. And we talked about that. And so that is something that we need those who are willing to lead in this way, willing to lead these prayers. Is it just when we come together to worship? In what other areas might we lead public prayers? Have you thought about that? Social gatherings. Social gatherings, like what? Might as well be a prayer. I like that. Okay. What what other areas? Sorry? Devotional. Yeah, we go we have a devotional. I think that's great for our kids, even giving the young men an opportunity to pray. Okay? What else? Okay. Just remembering the occasion I think is important. I mean, my prayer for Bible class may be a little different than my prayer for Sunday morning service. It would be different than if we was at a social event for a graduation party for somebody Absolutely. and how you address and direct what we're really hoping, all the whole group, you're still praying for the whole group. Absolutely. What we're all hoping for for that graduator, their future, and all those yeah. things. And, um, and I think we need to be cognizant of that. And we need to be cognizant of non-Christians who might be there, uh, believers maybe who, who uh, uh, believe in God, maybe even believe in Jesus, uh, but they're not New Testament Christians. Um, we need to be cognizant of, that, of them and if they're there, right? And again, it's not, I'm not leading a sermon in prayer. I still want those folks to be able to say amen. Um, and uh, my, dad, um, my dad had an 
a boss that, that he loved, his favorite boss he ever had when he was a principal and this guy was the superintendent. And when they'd go on a conference or somewhere and they had a big meeting or whatever, that guy would grab him up and get him over to a corner and they'd say a prayer together. Um, sometimes my dad would lead it, sometimes his boss would lead it. And my dad used to always say, now I'm not sure if all those prayers made it past the ceiling, but that was an example to me and I was an example to him back and forth and I was so grateful for that. Well, I know we have to be careful about that, not to violate praying to be seen of men, but do we want people to know that our relationship with God is so close that we talk to our Heavenly Father all the time about everything? Do we want people to know that? Absolutely we do. And again, we've got to be careful um, uh, about our motivations in that, uh, but we could pray even in that context. Uh, Pray with your spouse, right? Maybe that's public just between the two of you. It's in private, but I'm leading for someone beyond just myself. Or if you're dating somebody, pray with uh, that young lady that you might be dating. Um, again, pray before meals. Uh, pray if you're around others. Be the one to initiate prayer. Be that person that when somebody's going through a tough time, they feel comfortable coming to you and saying, will you pray for me? And if somebody asks you, will you pray for me? What should we do on that occasion? Do it. When should we do it? If we can, do it right then, right? Take their hand in yours, put your arm around them and say, well, let's pray right now. Um, nothing wrong with praying later, of course, uh, but, but that prayer can be powerful, make an influence, make an impact with them as well. All right, I, I, guess, I guess we're out of time. Any f final thoughts or comments about public prayer uh, we didn't get into a lot of the nuts and bolts, but we got a couple of them. Yes, sir. Patrick? As a young Christian coming into it, something for, I'm just thinking about when I started. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be perfect. I was scared. It's, not, it's a big deal, yes, but everybody is wanting you to grow. I think that's a step in growing. So yeah. if you get up there and your kids or guys are younger, you'll get up there and beat them. young guy to get up there and make a mistake. Just can't wait for it to point it out. Oh, look at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point I was trying to make on one side of it. You can do something wrong in a prayer a young person can and still be very effective because yeah. everybody is rooting for you and they know you're talking to God. And then on the flip side, you can do everything right as an adult in a prayer and not be effective. Well, that means, young people, you have an advantage that some older people don't have, right? Because everybody's tuned in, rooting for you, wanting you to do well, right? Who wants the young people to do well when they come up and pray? All of us do, right? And so you can be very effective where everybody says amen at the end of your prayer uh, because uh, you are young and you're not used to it. Yes, Wayne? Uh, what I've learned is that, you know, the, the body... Uh, they play a big part in that. When they go tell people, hey, I appreciate your words, take this. 
those prayers get better and better because that encouragement gives them the confidence to grow in prayer or in their, their service to prayer. Right. So there's, you know, it, it really does. Like people come up and give you that encouragement, hey, thank you for the words, I really needed that. Well, that should go a long way. That should force you to dig a little bit deeper, you know, when you go up there and prepare a little bit. If you know you're going to pray, prepare a little bit. Absolutely. Very good. Anything else? Yes, Tommy? I would say it's not a requirement because not every prayer in the Bible has amen at the end of it, right? But a bunch of them do. Um, I don't at the end of every prayer because sometimes I don't want to obligate myself to that. Um, uh, that doesn't happen often, but occasionally it does. Uh, but I really, and sometimes, this is full transparency, sometimes I drift it off. I'm not sure what they said, and I don't want to obligate myself to something I didn't even hear. I mean, that's terrible, but that's reality sometimes, and so I'll not say amen on that occasion. Uh, but otherwise, I like to audibly say amen so that they and I know that this was my prayer too, um, and I went along with what they said. That's how I would answer it. No, you don't have to, uh, but I think it's a good thing to do. Right. Jesse? I think public prayers in the workplace are, are a very, very good thing. I did two of them today. I do it every Monday morning before a bunch of construction workers. And, uh, pouring God's blessing on us and all the things that, that I want to say to God and on their behalf and what's happening at work called on in another big group to pray meal, but I think you, you're also showing your people where you're
I don't know what they're going to say next. I'm not going to be able to agree with everything that comes after that. But I want them to know that I appreciate that they're praying. I appreciate that they're going to God, that that's what I want to do too. And so sometimes, I'm not saying y'all have to do that, but that's a way I handle it. Um, And also I think there's a power in uh, me agreeing to that prayer means that uh, if I'm a faithful Christian and I've got a relationship with God, now that prayer does have efficacy. It's effective. It does go to our Father in heaven because I'm praying that prayer too. Um, and so if somebody wants to pray, you know, I go along with that. Um, and, uh, you know, there are instances where you didn't ask this question. Uh, maybe I shouldn't bring it up, but I think it's situations we run into when uh, it's uh, a female leading that prayer. Um, well, she doesn't have all of the knowledge uh, about the role of women and so forth. Um, and so uh, that's a, a touchier situation. But for my conscience, uh, I'll say amen along with that too. Um, I think that's a good question. Uh, we, uh, this is kind of adjacent to that, but, but I'm real, I'm real um, uh, liberal with saying God bless you to people also. Because that's my role as a spiritual priest, as an intermediary between the world and God. I want people to be blessed by God, especially if they're seeking Him in some way or trying to do what's right. Um, and so, so I think it's absolutely appropriate, uh, at least as, as far as I know and study, uh, to, to pray along with those who you suspect might not be in a right relationship with God. Yes, sir? One question. Should you... <coughs> Should you agree or should you not agree if you have a problem with someone? If you have a problem with what they pray, then you shouldn't agree with it. You shouldn't say amen. Now, you can be respectful of them. Um, you know, I don't know what the opposite of amen would be. No men, you know. Uh, not speak at all. But not speak at all would be how I would handle that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir? With many of the people that we come in contact with, they've got a long way to go in their maturity and understanding of God, of Christ, and of His Word. And so uh, I don't want to nitpick too much in that and lose influence with that person. I want to pick my battles and point out the big things uh, so that hopefully their heart remains receptive uh, to me. Now, hopefully it's receptive to the gospel that it remains receptive to me. Um, We're out of time. Uh, I want to give Sean the opportunity um, as one of our shepherds to add anything that he'd like to add to this discussion before we're dismissed. I left you a lot of time. Well, as I told Regan uh, when he asked me, I probably wouldn't have anything to to add, and I really don't uh, to the substance of the matter other than as he was talking, just thinking about the um, what a responsibility it is, you know, to lead a group in uh, approaching our Father. Um, but at the same time, what a privilege it is as well. And so I know we all get nervous, and especially younger guys that are learning to, to lead 
prayer, you know, it's okay to be nervous because we should respect what we're doing and and not forget that it's not just a flippant thing that we do. We are we are responsible for guiding the, the uh, thoughts of the group, and so. But at the same time, that shouldn't intimidate us to dissuade us from doing it as well. So um, shouldn't be a burden. You know, we should we should be honored and privileged that we're asked to do that. So, um, but as as with any class, you know, the, the, the burden is to apply the things that we've learned tonight. And and uh, there's been a lot of things that I hadn't thought about before. And so, um, you know, it's it's incumbent upon me to apply those things and so we you know we don't need to be the the person that looks into the glass and then sees what we see and then turn away and forget what we saw and so uh, applying those things so that we can all be more effective in our in our prayers as in a group um, that's all I that's that's all I, I had to, to say so I'll let you have it back thank um, you all for being here So just uh, on the, the little stand in the foyer, there's a sign-up list for those who would like to teach. Um, and so all who are here are welcome to take one of those classes. Um, and so uh, that, that sheet is there on the little stand uh, and indicate what topic. There's a list of the topics that we've discussed. But if you want to teach on a different topic, then certainly uh, just put that, indicate that uh, where you sign up. Um, so thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we have it scheduled out through February, and then we can discuss uh, what we want to do from there. Uh, but I appreciate you being there, and uh, I guess we'll end with a prayer. Uh, and I don't want to put anybody else on the spot, so I guess I'll lead us in, in that prayer, if you'll bow with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We praise you because you are deserving of praise because you love us so much and we want you to know that, that we love you in return, that we are so grateful for all that you've done for us, but especially for sending your Son. And we know that it is through him we have forgiveness and, and hope and purpose and even this avenue of prayer. And so we ask, Father, that we'll do just what Sean said and, and be, be those who apply your word, not be forgetful hear, hearers, but doers of the word, in all things, uh, and that we might, through our prayers, lead others, that others might be built up, that others would be able to agree, but, but ultimately that you would be glorified, and even that you might use our prayers to bring others to you as we're salt and light to those we're around. Help us, as the early church prayed, to have boldness uh, in the things that we say, in, the, in, in who we are as followers of yours, and also in the things that we pray. And we pray that your will be done in all things, um, knowing that you know what is best for us, even in those times where we don't know what to pray or how to pray or the right thing in the situation. Uh, we pray that you'll be working on our behalf providentially. And we know that you have the power to do that even in times when we don't see or understand it, that, that you can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or even think. And so we praise you for that, and we pray that you'd be with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.